Hello, Horror Fanatics! I'm Frank. And I'm Jen, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh, The the horror. Horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to oth at seriouslydecent.com, and you can reach us uh, at our website at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. How's it going? It's going. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I'm not all wound up over, uh. Scientific studies this week, like yeah. I was last week. Well, I was wound up today. I took your place. I will say that they do now have a study that they're funding to figure out why people poop when they go into bookstores or feel they have to poop when they go into bookstores. Mm. So we huh. don't have the money to figure be, out if Ouija boards are an actual thing. I'll be staying tuned. to. But the nipples and the pooping... We got this. Should we do another podcast that's just dumb science studies? <laughs> or maybe I should just not follow the science pages? Yeah. Well, there always is that. That could be another podcast. I mean, I, I do hey have guys, a, do you think there's an interest? Would you be interested in us be, ranting and raving about what's happening in science? Yeah, on the uh, on the we'll we'll talk about all the dumb studies they do. Yeah, we could do that. I have more hours available now. I know. I'm very excited. That's the latest development. This could be very good for us. It really could. Just us as a couple. I was thinking us as a podcast. Well, yeah. <laughs> podcast first, us second. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe it was us. The personal us that requested the fewer hours in the first place. Yeah. So. Yeah, we get to see each other more than one hour a day. That'll be nice. It will be nice, especially with the nice weather coming up. Yes. Uh, yes. We'll both get to see how allergies uh, run us in for the next it's month or two. It's going to be great. I can't wait. <laughs> We're going to be fighting each other over boxes of tissues. I'm already a little stuffy. <laughs> Eyes a little watery. Oh, sinuses. Aren't they great? They're great. But we're not here for allergies. We're not here for science. Well, a little bit of science later. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. We're here for the the chief mama's boy, Ed Gein. Well, before we get into Ed. There's always something. What? (laughs) I'm going to share a listener theory on our previous episode of Huska Castle. We actually have people that listen to this show? Apparently. Okay. Okay. So this is my brother's theory as to how and or why that dude aged so quickly when he was lowered down into the hole. Oh, okay. I want to hear this. Radiation. Mmm. Yeah. He was saying that it could account for his hair whitening Mm -hmm. and him dying two days later from like radiation poisoning. And I know they didn't reference like any sores or anything on his skin, i.e. radiation burns, but who knows? And because it's radiation, it, you know, if he got exposed to a megadose, it could have dissipated over time because we're talking hundreds of years ago. So I'll spin this around. Okay. What if it's like the bomb and lost? 
You didn't watch Lost, did you? I watched it with you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that bomb they lowered in, remember? Yeah. They were bouncing back and forth in time and mm-hmm. purgatory and all that. Yeah. So what if it's purgatory down there? And Lost is actually a real story. It's not a hoax. I mean. See how we just made something real right there? That's how easy <laughs> it is, folks. That's how easy it is today. And someone will carry through with that and be well, like. Well, I mean, that gets back to we just watched uh, Murder Among the Mormons. And yeah. the guy was a forger. And essentially he was saying, you know. I was so fascinated once they, by that. Once they agreed that it was genuine. Yeah. It became real. Yeah. So, I mean, once it becomes genuine, Mm -hmm. it does become real. Yeah. The other explanation was hysteria because, like, you can convince yourself in your hysteria that, uh, you know, you're dying. And shocker, guess what? You die. The radiations, uh, that's a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty plausible uh, explanation for that. Hmm. And, you know, who knows over time if, if it were, like, you know, a tunnel off of a hole, mm-hmm. the tunnel could have got closed off, which could have reduced the radiation. Yeah. We'll have to look. They got to have some studies on that. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. While we're sifting through pooping in coffee stores and staring at uh, <laughs> nipples, you know. So we'll just put that in the scrap heap. I'm in, I mean. I'm in rare form today. <laughs> it's going to be a good one, you guys. <laughs> Either that or you're going to turn it off in about 10 minutes. <laughs> Be like, you know what? I just can't take it. Yeah, me. holy <laughs> good luck for her. I'm praying for that woman. The, um, yeah, so big mama's boy Ed Gain, yeah, yeah, That's a little a bit, little bit, yeah. Just I stitch, he is the poster child of mama's boy, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, Ed Gain, he's known as the, the Plainfield Ghoul and the Butcher of Plainfield, he's got some other names too. He was given Vlad a run for he his was money given with, Vlad. The num- with the number of his names. I was like, dude. He's given Vlad and Apollo Creed a run. <laughs> He's uh, born on August 27th, 1906, and he passed away July 26th, 1984. He's born in La Crosse County, Wisconsin, and his parents are George and Augusta Gein, both Wisconsin natives. So we're deep in Wisconsin here. Make uh, making a murderer was deep in Wisconsin too, oh, yeah. which leads me to I hit I did have an aspiration to visit all fifty states. Mm-hmm. Like I think Wisconsin, I'd be happy just to drive through, just through two stories. That's it. <laughs> no, no, because I could find two two more stories of every single state, and we could save ourselves a lot of gas and time. I mean, yeah, sure, go ahead. My uncle had a place up in Hayward, Wisconsin, which was right by the Canadian border. And yeah. I went to see him once before he passed. He passed away young. Right. As it was the two art way. Yeah. But the uh Did you just was... go all Mandalorian? <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> well, it was the way. My dad and I are forging ahead those numbers. You know, he's leading the charge. Um, I'm feeling him out, see where he ends up before I start putting bets and odds on me. But uh no, it was very beautiful. Very beautiful there. Oh, there's HR. Yeah. Yeah. Saying enough of Wisconsin. Back to game, guys. <laughs> Stay on topic. Yep. All right. <laughs> so George and Augusta Gein, both Wisconsin natives, had two sons, Henry George Gein and Edward Theodore Gein. George 
not really a uh, a solid man. The father. He's what? A, yeah, he's that typical story of a, a you know just a weak, weak man, alcoholic. He really had no say in raising these boys at all. It's just uh, every. So he was essentially just the sperm donor. I, I don't know. Everything I read had nothing nice to say about this guy. And wow. they also said nothing nice about the mother. Which I mean, gets it's to, odd that two horrible parents could raise someone. It who, really is. You know, could do such horrific things. Well, two wrongs don't make a right, Jennifer. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically, yeah. This gets back to where we were talking the last episode and previous episodes, where just some people are broken. Yeah. And they're broken through and through, yeah. biologically, yeah. environmentally. Yeah. Just everything around him. I don't think this guy stood a chance. I don't think so, personally. Because even if he didn't come out of the womb broken. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Everything else. These two are right there. Yeah. Seething, chomping at the bit to download all their BS into this guy here. So the wife wife despised the husband. Just worthless guy. Can't hold a job. Which is funny. She could have picked someone else, but... I ain't going there. <laughs> well, she's highly and, religious, right? Well, yeah, and that's at the end. That's okay. what it was. That's what kept her. Because she, it. if she was really devout and into her religion, oh, we're, she, this divorce is, wasn't even an option. She's gung ho. Yeah, and uh, and the story will will tell itself. The father didn't care for the children, so this is one of those fatherless yeah situations, yeah. which is a giant key on how these situations kind of go through. Mm-hmm. She took it upon herself to raise the children basically strictly uh, around her beliefs. And she also provided financially. The marriage persisted again because of the family's religious belief about divorce. She was the domestic rule maker. She was the breadwinner. She began and operated a grocery store in La Crosse in 1914. She was disgusted with the town, heathens, you know, the whole, the whole bit, and eventually purchased a 195-acre farm on the outskirts of a small town of Plainfield, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And this became basically the family's permanent home. And the closest neighbors were, um, some spots I read, that's like a quarter mile away. Yeah. They're out in the middle of nowhere. They are out there. Yeah. Basically, she moved to this location to prevent outsiders from influencing her sons. That was her motivating reason. Huh. Yeah. What she neglected to understand was that she was the problem. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you think about it. Her heart was in the right place. You (laughs) know, you you can have your heart in the right place. And still. Until you identify yourself as a contributing factor of a... uh, uh, a conflict or yeah. or a derailment. Yeah. You could move to Mars, sweetie. The yeah. kids are still going to be screwed up. Yeah. yeah. And here's a weird thing. They left the premises only to go to school. And then besides school, Ed uh, spent most of his time doing chores on the farm. Augusta was a fervent Lutheran. Preached to her boys the just the whole innate immorality of the world, the evil of drinking and belief that all women herself excluded yeah. were prostitutes and instruments of the devil. You know? mm-hmm. 
So everybody else is all messed up. Yeah. But she, I'm she great. She's perfection. I'm great and you're an angel. That's the wow. uh, Yeah, that's the construct. No narcissism there. That's the construct there. And she reserved uh, time every afternoon to read them uh, read to them from the Bible. She would select graphic verses from the Old Testament dealing with death, murder, and divine retribution because a story of hope is the Old Testament. Yeah. It really just, is. It's, it's a story. full of it. This is people that are not religious. They don't really understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yeah. And that, and that guide of, like, moving your moral compass. Like, the mm-hmm. Old Testament, God was a douchebag. Is eye for an eye. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's ruthless, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's a lot of theories of that. We're not going to bust that egg in this show, but... But yeah, to just especially toss at young kids. Yeah. The old Fire testament. And brimstone. Yeah. You know, family sacrificing sons and all of that type of stuff to yeah. convince of their faith and, and yep. things. And yeah, so they they were doing that light reading. What could go wrong? Yeah, they were doing that light reading. You know, none of the hope and optimism of the New Testament. No. No, none of that. No. Let's stay to the oldies. Yeah. Oof the. <laughs> And basically, young Ed Gein had this like effeminate demeanor, and it didn't really play well for bullies, yeah. which is the case. This just shows that like time yeah. doesn't change whether you're in nineteen. 19- more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> you know, nineteen fourteen versus mm-hmm. the eighties versus mm-hmm. the sixties versus yeah. this recipe uh, seems to. Just set in every time. Classmates and teachers uh, recalled just off-putting mannerisms. He would just do like random laughter as if he were laughing at his own personal jokes. So there's obviously some stuff. I mean, going. He legitimately on. could have been like he could have been, you know, mentally unwell. Oh yeah, I think so. And because he... here's the thing, and I'll, I won't jump. I won't jump to that yet. You know, to make matters worth worse, his mother would scold him whenever he tried to make friends. And despite his poor social development, he did fairly well in school, particularly in reading. This is where you have a combination of he wasn't allowed to be social with anyone. Right. Yeah. And and when you're social, like the last episode we were talking about where, or we said it in previous episodes where you have people in your life that keep you in check. Right, yes. And say like, hey, you know, you might not want to do that. Yeah. You know, or you might want to act this way. Yeah. He didn't have any of that. And when no. and when you don't have that, we're actually we brought that up with the uh the blood, blood countess, countess. Yep. Elizabeth Bathory. Mm-hmm. Basically that unchecked part of your life, and we were talking about how it's not even just in high places of power like she was. Right. You also have this mm-hmm. part here. Mm-hmm. Just kind of foreshadowing to this moment bringing up that topic so you have this ed gein who's out in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. they don't have a ton of money no they're living a basic basic life Mm -hmm. 1914 and you're you're looking at this same recipe of this guy has no one around him to say you might not want to do that. You might not want to do this. Yeah. And, and that. Well, and actually, I mean, he he had his mother directing him, but her well, yeah, her method of direction probably mm-hmm. was not the best. But this is a correlation to the yeah. blood countess too. Yeah. The blood countess had everything. Yeah. 
but had this this path in front of her mm-hmm. as well as he had this one. Right. And he loved to read and he did well in school. So mm-hmm. he was able to absorb information, but with no compass. Right. He's left to his own devices. Mm-hmm. And basically, he tried to make his mother happy, but she was rarely pleased with her boys, just often abusing them and believing they were destined to become failures like their father. <laughs> and I could see this. Like, he, they, the boys probably looked like their dad. Yeah. You know, I could, I could imagine that. Yep. And so she's just seeing she's little just seeing, carbon copies of she, her useless, derelict, She just drunk sees husband. George, yep. you know. She's just reminded of George the whole time. Mm-hmm. And just because she met George. Yep. Here well, I'm going to, I'm going to go for a big leap there. I mean, you know, there's probably like most women around a lot of filth and gross men and terrible guys, but there are good guys out there. She, and, and she got wrapped up with George here and downloaded it all to her kids. Mm -hmm. And during their teens and throughout early adulthood, the boys remained detached from people outside of the farm. They basically just had each other for company. Yeah. So, the father, George, died of a heart attack in 1940, and the Game brothers began working at odd jobs to help with expenses. Both uh, brothers were considered reliable and honest by residents of the community, and while both worked as handymen, Ed Gein also frequently babysat for neighbors. So this is where my brain starts shifting around. Okay. It's like, we can all call him crazy and nuts and all that, but people were letting him babysit their kids. Yeah. So that's a different construct of the story that just kind of gets buried in the minutia of things. Right. Doesn't that kind of stuff jumps right out. He and he actually enjoyed babysitting, seeming to relate more easily to children than result or adults. And I could see that because he probably never really grew up. Right. So he's just always very childlike, very childlike himself. And uh, he began to reject uh, Henry. The brother started rejecting the mother's view of the world and was worrying about Ed at this attachment and his attachment to her. Mm-hmm. And this is as kids get older, they get yep. more in that independent realm, yep. especially boys. Mm-hmm. Boys have this, you know, and I can speak for boys because I'm, st- I'm still a boy. And yes, you are. But there is this point where you see that line mm-hmm. and you see that line where you, you can make these, you know, you can make these decisions. You know, you have these paths in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's not maybe that you can make these decisions, but you're looking like, wait, this, there's a whole nother way to do this. Okay. And then that's the tough part is actually doing it and breaking through that. Mm-hmm. And I could see that where this would be bad for Henry because you've got Ed all in. Yeah. And mom's, mm-hmm. and you got the mom who's, I'm all it. Right. And you not only have to convince the mom that she's not all it, but you have to c- convince Ed, they, you know, so you instantly it, become yeah. this outcast. Mm-hmm. So I found it funny reading through this as a childhood being raised up. Henry, the quote unquote normal one, mm-hmm. was the outcast. And it's funny how group dynamics work that way. I'm just always fascinated with, with group dynamics and how things turn out in that shape and form. But on May 16th, 1944, a brush fire burned close to the farm, and the Gein brothers went out to extinguish it. Reportedly, the brothers were separated, and as the night fell, Ed lost sight of his brother Henry, 
When the fire was extinguished, he reported to the police that his brother was missing. And when the search party was organized, Ed led them directly to his missing brother. They weren't kind of searching around yeah. and, and all that. So, And he's laying dead on the ground. And the police had concerns about the circumstances under which the body was discovered. The ground on which Henry was uh, laying was untouched by fire. Mm-hmm. And he had bruises on his head. Yeah. So despite this, the police dismissed the possibility of foul play. And the county coroner listed asphyxiation as the cause of death. Although some investigators suspected that Ed killed his brother. And no charges were filed against him. Right. Different time, man. I Different mean, time. I'm inclined to think that. Oh, I'm know, inclined to think of it, too. You've got the, the brother who's essentially. Outcast. Yep. He's, but he's also speaking out against Speaking the out against the mother. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and where I bet that 100% serves him right. Okay. Serves him right. You know, that's mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. type of whole thing. You yeah. Know? And basically after his brother's death, this put Ed alone because that was the only social right. contact he had other than babysitting. Yeah. And he lived alone with his mother who eventually died December 29th, 1945. And she had a series of strokes you know, he was just constantly taking care of her and he's mm-hmm. taking care of the farm and, yeah. you know, taking care of everything. And quote from Gein, he lost his only friend and one true love and he was absolutely alone in the world. Yeah. And that I buy 100%. This yeah. is the only person. She did it to him. You know. She isolated him from the world. Well, yeah. And but she actually made herself the center of his world. Yeah, yeah. And just there, he had no outlet no. for anything, and anything that he did have around him, he he torn down. Mm-hmm. Basically, this is where Gein starts getting really weird. He remained on the farm, supported himself with earnings from odd jobs. Mm-hmm. He boarded up all the rooms used by his mother. Basically, the whole upstairs, downstairs, parlor, living room, and he left them untouched. Mm-hmm. And he lived in a small room next to the kitchen. And he became interested in reading these death cult magazines and adventure stories. He just became increasingly lonely. He spent much of his spare time reading pulp magazines and anatomy uh, anatomy books. The rooms he inhabited were full of periodicals about Nazis, South Sea headhunters, and shipwrecks. From his readings... Uh, Ed learned about the process of shrinking heads, exhuming corpses from graves, and the anatomy of the human body. And he became so obsessed with these weird stories, he would often recount some of them to the children he babysat. Mm -hmm. And he also enjoyed reading the local newspapers. And his favorite section, guess what that was? The obituaries. The obituaries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big fan of the obits. And from the obituaries, Eddie would learn of the recent deaths of local women and having never enjoyed the company of the opposite sex, he would quench his lust by visiting graves at night. Later on, he swore to police that he never had sexual intercourse with any of the dead women he had exhumed. He said they smell too bad. He said they smelled too bad. Yeah, I had that too. (laughs) But he did take particular pleasure in peeling their skin from their bodies and wearing it. You know, what you do. Everybody's got a different hobby, right? Mm-hmm. 
He was curious to know what it was like to have breasts and a vagina, and he often dreamed of being a woman. And he was fascinated with women because of the power and the hold they had over men. And basically told a young boy that he sometimes, uh, he, he basically told him that, you know, or he showed him that these like human heads that he kept in his bedroom. Yeah, I had that too. And he claimed that the shriveled heads were from the South Seas, relics from headhunters. Yeah. And then the young boy started telling people of the experience. And nobody believed Nobody that. believed the young boy. You know, some time later, the boy was vindicated when these two other young men paid a visit to Ed Gein's farm. And they, too, saw the, you know, the preserved heads of women. But they thought just, they thought they were like weird Halloween costumes. Yeah, the Halloween masks. Mm -hmm. But then that's enough to get the rumors to start circulating. And the townspeople were gossiping about the strange objects Eddie supposedly possessed. Mm -hmm. And then no one was really taking any of this seriously until Bernice Warden disappeared years later. And in fact, people would often joke with Eddie about having shrunken heads and Eddie would just smile or make a reference to having them in his yeah. room. And no one thought he was telling the truth or maybe they just didn't want to believe it was true. Correct. So that brings us to the arrest. My sources were murderpedia.org, BBC crime case closed. This profile of Ed Gein was written by BBC News Online's Chris Summers and Eddie Gein by Rachel Bell. So on November 16, 1957, Plainfield Hardware Store owner Bernice Warden disappeared. Warden's son told investigators that Gein had been in the store the evening before the disappearance, saying he would return the following morning for a gallon of antifreeze. And a sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Warden on the morning she disappeared. And Mr. Schley a sheriff from the nearby town of Plainfield was investigating the disappearance of the 58-year-old shopkeeper, and he went to Gein's farmhouse, where the owner, 51-year-old uh, Ed Gein, was not in, but Sheriff Schley had a warrant to search the premises. So they went inside the farmhouse. Junk and rotting garbage covered the floor and counters, and it was almost impossible to walk through the rooms. The smell of filth and decomposition was overwhelming, and upon searching Gein's property, investigators discovered Warden's decapitated body in a shed hung upside down by ropes uh, at her wrists. There's actually conflicting versions as to how she was found. Yeah. And with a crossbar at her ankles. The torso had been dressed out like that of a deer. And she had been shot with a twenty-two caliber rifle and the mutilations were performed after death. Searching the house, authorities found four noses whole human bones and fragments, nine masks of human skin, bowls made from human skulls, ten female heads with the top sawed off, human skin covering several chair seats, Mary Hogan's head in a paper bag, Bernice Warden's head in a burlap sack, nine vulvas in a shoebox, skulls on his bedposts, organs in the refrigerator, a pair of lips on a drawstring for a window shade, a belt made from human female nipples, a lampshade made from the skin of a human face, and a partridge in a pear tree. Seriously. It's yeah. like, dude. And these artifacts were photographed at the crime lab and then were 
properly destroyed. So he admitted killing Mrs. Warden, who was shot in the head with a 22 caliber rifle, and then dragging her outside of his car and then transporting her back to the farmhouse. Later, he confessed to the murder three years earlier of Plainfield innkeeper Mary Hogan, who had vanished under mysterious circumstances. So when questioned, Gein told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he made as many as 40 nocturnal visits to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies while he was in a daze-like state. And on about 30 of those visits, he said he had come out of the days while in the cemetery and he left the grave in good order, returning home empty-handed. So on other occasions, he dug up the graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother and took the bodies home where he tanned their skins to make his paraphernalia. Gein admitted robbing nine graves, leading investigators to their locations, And because authorities were uncertain as to whether the slight Gein was capable of single-handedly digging up a grave in a single evening, they exhumed two of the graves and found them empty, thus corroborating Gein's confession. Now, there's also a conflicting version that says while Eddie was undergoing further interrogation and psychological tests, investigators continued to search the land around his farm and police discovered within Eddie's farmhouse the remains of 10 women although Eddie swore that the remaining body parts of eight women were those taken from local graveyards, police were skeptical. They believed that it was highly possible for the remains to have come from women Eddie may have murdered. So the only way police could ascertain whether the remains came from women's corpses was to examine the graves that Eddie claimed he had robbed. And after much controversy about the morality of exhuming the bodies, police were finally permitted to dig up the graves of the women Eddie claimed to have desecrated. All of the coffins showed clear signs of tampering, and in most cases, the bodies or parts of the bodies were missing. There would be another discovery on Eddie's land that would again raise the issue of whether Eddie did in fact murder a third person. On November 29th, police unearthed human skeletal remains on the Gein farm. It was suspected that the body was that of Victor Travis, who had disappeared years earlier. The remains were immediately taken to a crime lab and examined, and tests showed that the body was not that of a male, but of a large middle-aged woman, and it was another graveyard souvenir. Try as the police did, they could not implicate Eddie in the disappearance of Victor Travis or the three other people who had vanished years earlier in the Plainfield area. The other three missing people were eight-year-old Georgia Weckler, who had gone missing on her way home from school, Evelyn Hartley, who was 15, who had been abducted while babysitting, and also listed as missing were two deer hunters, the aforementioned um, Victor Travis and Ray Burgess, who vanished in December of 1952. The only murders Eddie could be held responsible for were Bernice Warden and Mary Hogan. Wasn't Wasn't there something also in the trial, like they said they just didn't even... I don't know, it was something weird I was reading about it, and I, I didn't put anything in my notes, but so, something where the, the trial, they like it wasn't financially feasible or something like that, they said, to pursue these other things, so they focused on the two. I didn't, I didn't find anything. Because that's what was weird about me with this whole thing, is they have that? like all of this other stuff, and he just got in on the two. Well. And I get it because he was digging up graves, and they didn't have DNA and all that stuff back right. then. Yeah. And I think, you know, the way I kind of 
reconciled with all that was is they're like, look, we got them for these two. We can put them away for these two. Let's just put this behind us. Yeah. (laughs) Let's move on and go from there. That's, that's at least how I looked at it. Yeah. Um, I don't, they suspected him of murdering these other four people and Mm -hmm. they were trying desperately. Yeah. To link him Mm -hmm. through what they were finding at the farmhouse to these other cases. Yeah. But they were unsuccessful. Like they, they couldn't do it. Now it's possible he could have killed those two deer hunters simply because they wandered onto his property and they could have, you know, they could have caught him carrying one of the, the bodies. Yeah. Who knows? Or at this point, I mean, like he's alone, he's by himself and they might've just been like, Oh, you're weird. Ed, you know, and just making fun of him. He's like, well, here, I'll show you. I'll show you how weird I am. Yeah. So another source states that Gein and a trusted friend identified only as Gus had made the nocturnal raids only hours after the women's funerals and reading their obituaries in the local newspaper. And it appears he only began killing when Gus was moved to an old person's home and Gein was unable to carry out the nocturnal raids alone. Yeah. So shortly after his mother's death, Gein had decided he wanted a sex change and began to create a woman's suit so he could pretend to be female. Now, it says a woman's suit. Other sources say he had a woman's shirt mm. that he would wear. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. It's all weird. And this was suppo- the supposed reason for his actions and activities. Gein denied, again, like you said, having sex with the bodies because um, they smelled too bad. And... With regard to the shrunken heads, he had told, there's two stories that he told that 16-year-old boy. One was that they were relics from the Philippines who had been sent to him by a cousin who served in World War II. And then the other was that they were just, I I don't, I I don't want to say souvenirs, but they were from the Far East. Mm -hmm. So he told conflicting stories with regard to that as well. They were exotic. I, I mean, yeah. I guess. So uh, when the police investigators looked at these yeah. shrunken heads, they were determined to be facial skins that had been carefully peeled from cadavers and used as masks. I mean, kind of gets us to leather face, doesn't it? Well, here's the thing, too. Like, he's not going to have sex with them because they smell bad, but he's got no qualm of wearing their skin. See, this is where I get where he did the other ones. Because I think the skin is from the newer ones. Because, I mean, if you dig up somebody, the skin's nasty. Can't really do any, you know, I mean, like. Well, you have to understand that if the stories that they're I'm not trying to say true, I'm an expert on skin, but. just If they were robbing those here. graves. Yeah. Like, say the night they were buried. Yeah, if he's found the obituaries. They wouldn't. And, they wouldn't really be. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That bad. Yeah. But, you know, if he's digging up older. I'm pro- I'm just trying to put myself in a, like the place of a demented person, which isn't easy because demented's completely irrational. Yeah. But you'd think at one point he'd be like, the skin shirt's pretty awesome. I wonder what it would be like off of a fresh skin. 
at Who some knows? point, at some point that had to cross his mind. But why an eight-year-old girl? What purpose could she serve? Just convenience. It's there. You know, I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, this is a hard part with these old... I have these older stories I have a tough time with sometimes because... Yeah. It's, you know, back in 1914, there's not much you can grab. Everybody's got an opinion on it. Yeah, and that's true. Including us. We're putting our own opinion on it. Yes. I'm including us in that group here. I'm not trying to What's separate us as some elitist group with it. What's that they destroyed... Oh, they destroyed everything. Everything. Yeah. Because had they oh, yeah. kept... Especially the bones, yeah. they would have been able. They would have been able to. They say, would have been able. This is to do well. You know, again, they would have to be stored properly. Yeah. To get to be able to submit it for DNA testing, but we'll see. Yeah. So, Washara County Sheriff Art Schley uh, allegedly physically assaulted Gein during questioning by banging his head and face into a brick wall, causing um, Gein's initial confession to be ruled inadmissible. Mm -hmm. Schley died of a heart attack in December of 1968 at age 43, only a month after testifying at Gein's trial. Many who knew him said he was traumatized by the horror of Gein's crime and that this, along with the fear of having to testify, especially about assaulting Gein, led to his early death. And one of his friends said that he was a victim of Ed Gein as surely as if he had butchered him. Did he have white hair and was he put in a hole in a castle in... Hungry? Hungry? Two no, days prior? Doubtful. Oh, okay. Doubtful. Just checking. So his trial was on November 21st, 1957. Gein was arraigned on one count of first-degree murder in Washera County Court where he entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. Found mentally incompetent and unfit to stand trial, Gein was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, now the Dodge Correctional Institution, a maximum security facility in Wapun, Wisconsin, and later transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. And in 1968, Gein's doctors determined he was sane enough to stand trial. The trial began on November 14, 1968, lasting one week. He was found guilty of first-degree murder by Judge Robert H. Gallmer, but because he was found legally insane, he spent the rest of his life in a mental hospital. So on March 20th, 1958, while Gein was in detention, his house burned to the ground. Arson was suspected. When Gein learned of the incident, he shrugged and said, just as well. In 1956, 58, um, Gein's car, which he had used to haul the bodies of his victims, was sold at a public auction for $750, and it would have been $5,718 when accounting for inflation, to Carnival Sideshow operator Bunny Gibbons. Bunny. Gubbins, uh, Gibbons later charged Carnival goers $0.25 cents admission to see it. Ew. That was a lot of money back then. Oh, yeah. yeah. So on July twenty sixth to, to see a car. Oh God. I I there was a reference in one of the articles to what it was called. Like they had a name for it. The Obitmobile? No. No. It was it was so much worse the than that. The skin roller? No. Uh-huh. It was it was like the fright something or other. I don't know. It was just, I, 
(laughs) (laughs) So on July 26th, 1984, Gein died of respiratory and heart failure due to cancer in Goodland Hall at the Mendota Mental Health Institute. He was buried in Plainfield Cemetery right next to his mother and only yards from the graves he had robbed 30 years earlier. His gravesite in the Plainfield Cemetery was frequently vandalized over the years. Souvenir seekers would chip off pieces of his grain gravestone before the bulk of it was stolen in 2000. The gravestone was later recovered in June 2001 near Seattle and is now in a museum in Washara County. Weird. I mean, it's not great. Yeah. Well, it's just people do weird things. I don't know what That's- I don't know what weirds me out more. Is <laughs> the actual like the things that these people do during their existence or what people do in reaction after their existence. Yeah, they're like I, like I said, you know, it's like odd because people paying a quarter to see the car. The car, yeah. And people after the the headstone. Yeah, like a piece just, of it. Just a piece of it. Yeah. So it should be noted he's not a serial killer. No. He's by, a serial body snatcher. Yeah. And he was only convicted of those two murders. Yeah, there's some technical rules around him. Yeah. Know, that basically. Definitely. Because what is a serial murder? Was it three or more? Yeah. Something like I mean, that. if we count his brother, that would make him a serial murderer. Technicality. If they had proven that he had killed those other four people, that definitely would have moved him into. Yeah. So I think it should also be noted that Ed is the inspiration for several horror movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep, Leatherface. And they basically, uh, the house is more of the tribute. Like the skin on the face, but the skin yeah. on the face was different because leather face, it was because he was all disfigured. Yeah, but it was they, also a woman's face, remember? No, it was, but but basically the house was the yeah. the big kind of tribute, I guess I could say. Like Inspiration. I said, yeah, like I said, though, it's like it's weird how it, I, I don't know. Sometimes I think the legacy is worse than the actual thing. Yeah. Well, not worse, but just creepy. It's. Like for me, I mean, I here it is. You and I are talking about this, and it's over a hundred years later. Yeah. It's amazing, and people are still fascinated by all this stuff. Like it just never runs dry. There's true crime podcasts all over the place that are just talking about this talking stuff. about yeah. this stuff. And you and I are just like, yeah, no, let's put it on the list. Like to me, well, like inside, just that that curiosity amazes me that people are curious about it because you would think a rational human being. I'm saying this myself included. Yes. I mean, like I said, I'm not trying to become an elitist on this whole thing, but I think a rational human being would just be like, let's just forget about that, move on, you know, and not talk about it. But I, I think people have this natural curiosity is the why. Yeah. How? And, and I'm How cool. did someone get yeah. to this point? And I'm cool with that. Yeah. Where I draw the line is where someone wants, like, the tombstone piece. and Yeah. Because I swear to God, if you had all that evidence on display and all that stuff, people would buy it. Yeah. Oh, this is one of the ears that Ed Gein had. Well, you know. people bought uh, Gacy yeah. paintings. It's crazy. Shocker, guys. Gacy didn't paint those. He paid off the yeah. the inmates to paint a, those for him. He had so. a ghost, ghost painter. 
Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So he was also the inspiration uh, for Psycho. Mm-hmm. Which you can see the parallels Definitely. in that big time. Yep. That's um, uh, Silence you know, the of the whole... Lambs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs. Yes, not Buffalo Bill. Lecter. And then there were a bunch of older movies that oh, yeah. I didn't... I didn't note them in there because, again, I don't really hop on the movie train that much. But Right, but I think it's... And that's why I included him. Yeah. Because... Of his crimes, he actually became like this yeah. huge inspiration. It's become a, a piece of fabric of this culture. Exactly. It's crazy. Like they they came up with Psycho, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, Which, I mean, you got to ask yourself, would those have been done? If, if it weren't for Gein. Yeah, you have to ask well, yourself that. I mean, then they could say, well... They took the inspiration I mean, I, from Albert Fish. Yeah, or they would have done, you know, s- somebody else. But I always get into, like, a fascination on the, like, the psych end of it, the psychology end of it, like, just the keeping of the little tokens and things like that. That just, that whole hoarding of, uh, like, trophies and stuff like that just amazes me. Well, I'm going to be so bold as to say, I don't think they were his trophies. Oh, he I think was to, literally using them. I think to some degree they were, though. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a really wild leap here, and you know, some people are into action figures. Some people get some into people books. Are into vulvas? Yeah, just a weirdo, with nobody to sit there and be like, "Hey, Ed, you shouldn't be doing this." Yeah. You know, well, I mean, I'll if, give you a basic example of it, and it's it's not anywhere near this but like people just get obsession with certain things true so for example like when i see a coffee mug i just look at a vessel to drink liquid out of yeah where you look at a coffee mug in a whole total different way i do you have a coffee mug it's a memory Mm -hmm. of an event yep or it was a gift from somebody Mm -hmm. or it just makes you think of someone or a certain time in your life I had a decent collection. I know. I know. And you're like, what do we need all these fucking mugs for? Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and also we, I mean, let's be honest. It we was moved a, from a bigger home. We moved to a home. Where we had lots of storage Half space. the space, We yeah. had a butler's pantry. Yeah. To. That was full of. A single floor ranch. Yeah. So I get the calling but, but of what stuff. I'm getting at is, is like. That's the same thing with like action figures and books and things. You know, you have somebody that just wants to keep every single book that they've ever read mm-hmm. and they want to keep them and have them on bookshelves all over the place. Yeah. The other reader is just like, oh, I read that book. I'm going to give it to someone else. Yeah. And give it away. Been there. Did it. So there's that part of attachments for for keepsakes and trophies and things like that. And they are, they're trophies. They're memorial items. Like Ed Kemper was one of those ones that kept well, everything. Most of and your, Dahmer was that. Your serial killers do and, keep And some trophies. say, well, you know, it's to show the power and all that stuff. But like Ed Kemper stated five reasons for his crimes overall. Mm-hmm. And they centered on sexual urges which is pretty much universal with all these. Yeah. They just can't contain an urge. Wanting to possess their victims, which 
some could say a power or whatever. And then trophy hunting, which trophy hunting, I got to laugh. Everybody will instantly think and say, well, yeah, that's like the guy that has a deer mounted on his wall. Trophy hunting shoes, too. Yes. You go to a store, you're looking for that pair of shoes. You find it. Boom, it's there. You put it in a closet. Never fucking wear them. Yeah. It's the same thing. And hatred for his mother, which Mm -hmm. they all have that in common. Yes. I think out of, if you were to list me a thousand serial murderers, body snatchers, whatever, I would say out of the thousand, 990 of them have a hatred for their mother. I buy buy that. And they also had no father in their life whatsoever. Right, yes. It's a pretty common ingredient. And then there's just this overall revenge against an unjust society. That's another thing they have in common. They're outcasts. Mm -hmm. They're just different. Yeah. And they walk down this different outcast path, and society beats them up. Yep. And they say, well, look, I'm going to show you. And that's, I found that last one to be, a weird example that I look at when we check all these types of people out is the unjust society part is, you know, they'll say like the possession of a, of a victim and having the power over them. Right. I don't think it's over them individually. I think it's a power over the society arm that's been bullying them around and beating them up. I think that's it's the like, power. I'll show you. That's the power. It's mm-hmm. not, for example, if you were just a strange woman and, my mom treated me incorrectly or whatever, or I'm just, cha- you know, and I'm trying to overpower you. It's not really overpowering you because you got to think about it. I don't know you from a hole in the wall. Doesn't matter. Well, I know it doesn't matter. And this is where my rational sense is going to be a little different for it. But I think it's more, I'll show you because you're the type that doesn't like me. Maybe. I think that's a larger contributing force that most people don't hold issue with like i think jeffrey dahmer i'm gonna do like kind of the nickel tour around the uh the the serial killers but i think jeffrey dahmer like the guys that he was around i don't think they liked him because he was just a weird person Mm -hmm. and i think ultimately that's why he killed many of them he had all these other crazy things going on but i think if he truly truly connected with somebody i don't think he'd kill him i don't know i I think a lot of these guys, it's their murders of opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, they see something. Oh, some or, of them are just straight up hunters. Or a, it just presents the right yeah. circumstances. Yeah. No, you like. And I think you have Dahmer this- was the same. He was like, you know what? I'm betting I can overpower this guy. Yeah. I'm there's- betting I can I can go the distance. With this guy. And ultimately, But ultimately, did. they got to pick someone. True. And this is where I get where I don't think just anyone will do. This is where they're going to pick the weak person. This is where yeah. they're going to, you know, you're going to want to win. Yep. It's like boxing or something like that. You're not going to go against somebody you know you're going to get mutilated by. It's really not the point of the exercise. Right. I mean, you want to be eventually so you build yourself up as a fighter and you fight these lower, you know, lower matches, and mm-hmm. and you and you go up through, hoping you can get up to a point with a title bout and fight the biggest, the baddest in in the ring. But you don't just walk right up and go right to that person. 
So True. this is where I'm saying like the key where I'm getting at with all this is it's just I think the initial trigger for a lot of these these folks is the revenge against an unjust society bit. Could be. I think you're just beaten down, beaten down, beaten down. You're a monster. You're this. You're that. And you're like, you know what? All right. Yeah, I am a monster. Mm-hmm. Fine. That's what I'll be. And deep you, down. You think I'm a monster? Let me show you the kind yeah, of Yeah, I'm going to show you be. the kind of monster I can be. Mm-hmm. And and this goes into this next level. And then I think the other stuff comes through. I think the other stuff comes through where now they're looking at somebody that they can overpower. Because I don't know, just me as a as how I am, I'm not going to go after somebody that is going to give me a big challenge. I'm going to go after these low-hanging fruit. True. It's like with Bathory. Bathory with all the power and all that stuff she had. She went after all the peasants first. Right. And then, and then she then got she, drunk with power. Well, and no, she, and then, then she, she went after everyone. She had a system in place and, you know, all right, I know what I'm doing now. I I'm I'm going through this whole process and I'm I'm learning more. I'm getting more organized about it and then all right, well, I'm going to go after this person. And a lot of it was because someone probably said something about her that she heard around the grapevine. And of course I'm putting words in the right. mouth of somebody hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But the fact is, is like she just didn't just jump right into high society taking those. She took no, all the peasants. She and did. She, you know. She did. But I think there's a big distinction between our serial murderers mm-hmm. and Ed Gein. Well, yeah, because, because at first he did graves. Yeah. He didn't touch any of these people. No, he didn't. But also serial killers. But he had it in him because he killed his brother. Yeah. And that's, Allegedly. Yeah, I mean... It's pro- it's pretty. I'd clear say ninety nine percent chance did. he killed the brother. Yeah, but again, that was an opportunity. The fire presented an opportunity, and he seized the opportunity. The difference between him and your your serial hunter murderer mm-hmm. killers is a lot of them rely on their charisma. They use their charisma to kind of yeah. But you here's know, the thing. Just to cut off with the opportunity bet, I bet that he wanted to smoke his brother out for like a week. I'm going to say years, you know, but like from the moment it started coming through, I, I don't know the opportunity killings. I don't buy as much as people say, you know, I just don't buy it because all the work that's involved, especially on this level here, like if somebody's just walking down the street and they just shoot somebody, that's an opportunity thing where they just shoot somebody and walk around. But you have somebody like this that actually... Grabs somebody, brings them to a certain area, or kills them there, and then just does this whole dispose of and all that stuff. That's a plan. That's not somebody really flying by the seat of their pants. He read all these books. He knew exactly what he was doing. That's where I look at it, and that's where I have a tough time with insanity for these guys. I really do. I know they're insane by the standard of, say, like a normal person, Mm -hmm. but they know exactly what they're doing. They don't care that it's right or wrong. Right. And that's biology, in my opinion. I think there's just some biology there that that filter that you and I have. That they just don't have. That they just don't have. Or they lack it at a certain point, like where the just their body chemistry is at a certain stage where they either have a tremendous amount of sexual urges or they got a lot of anger and resentments against society. It just creates this recipe mm-hmm. in their biology where that filter is just taken off and they're basically just a lion Mm -hmm. going at something to eat 
and that's where I have the hard part of the insanity thing. Like when they were talking about with the blood countess, uh, how she could have had uh, epilepsy and right. all that stuff. It's like she managed that whole entire castle. Yeah. She managed all them territories, collecting taxes, mm-hmm. making sure all the functions of the castle were running fine. And, Until you her bloodlust consumed her. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is, is that all, of, you know, we mentioned it on the blood countess thing. Like all that stuff was in the way of what she really wanted to do. Right. And she and that's where I look at Ed Gein. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. He had those books. He was reading up. He was getting educated. He was getting. He's building this model of who he's going to be, where he's going to head. And that's where I look at like the deal with the brother. The brother becomes this outcast of this crazy family. Mm-hmm. And Ed's just like, no, you got to go, dude. Yeah, can't have, can't have yeah. you talking about. And you don't mother. know what else he was mutilating or whatever because they have the old and that's where i get like these old things they're tough to talk about because they're just so long ago and there's no evidence and yeah it's just a breeding ground and i think that's why people like talking and hearing about it because it's just a breeding ground to just talk shit about it (laughs) it really is yeah i mean you get down to it at the end of the day this stuff is disturbing yeah and they can only be done by a disturbed person yeah but i also look at it as is it's pretty organized especially the ones that are doing it over and over again yeah and i'm not even saying even if he did it twice yeah like in this case say he just did it twice say all those other bodies were just pulled up from the grave right and let's even just talk about that because like look at us now we're talking like the murder's the big thing here the the grave digging was the real big thing yeah and this guy's just pulling up corpses that are supposed to be at rest yes Families put people in the ground yeah. so they can make peace and move on. And he's disturbing all of this. H.H. Holmes was so disturbed by that thought that his request was that he be buried 10 feet deep and his coffin covered in cement yeah. so that he wouldn't be stolen, that uh, his body wouldn't be desecrated. Exactly. And that's where I get, like, people can call these people insane People can call them crazy and nuts. And yeah. here's the thing. And this is where I just can't make the leap with things. You can be crazy and nuts and highly organized. You can be cr- crazy and nuts and very intelligent, very smart. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, it's both possible. Mm-hmm. And that's where I look at a lot of these criminals that get put off on grounds of insanity. I know they try to do that whole premeditated bit, but it's just, you know... A lot of that stuff where you see it like that, it's like it is premeditated. Even if you want to shoot somebody, in my opinion, like I don't, I don't think there's the whole shooting by accident thing. I was raised around guns enough as a kid, yeah. That if you pointed that gun at anything, you were intentionally or unintentionally going to shoot there. It's it's a it's a mechanism that but can you also always... had someone stating to you, if you point that gun, yeah. There's, you have to treat every gun as if it's loaded. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have another person, oh yeah, who doesn't have anyone there saying, "Hey, you need to treat this mm-hmm. with respect or yeah. discretion," yep. then it just becomes no. It's true, and on a singular, an, like an extension of their yeah. their arm. They're not, and it. I'm going to say it's probably. A, a much smaller percentage 
it it was an accidental shooting. No, and you had those stories where like a kid said, "Look, I had the gun and it accidentally went off and shot my friend and right. they end up committing suicide like 2 years later." Right. They're just or they're just a wreck the rest of their yeah. life. That I get, but what I'm getting at is the person that did it more than once. Yeah. I really have a hard time with the the insanity thing. It's like you know what you're doing at this point. Yes. On the second time, you know, like the first time, I'll, I'll be open-minded to give it a glitch. Yeah. Say something happened. But the second time, no, nah, I'm sorry. All bets are off. Yeah. You know you exactly knew. what you're doing. Yeah. You were looking for it. You were trying to find it. And you were trying to, you had this whole idea in your head, mm-hmm. even though it might not have worked out that way. You had this whole idea in your head on how it was going to go. Yeah. And that's where I look at these type of things. And I just remember, you know, you reading it off with, with that gain here, you know, the whole insanity bit and that stuff. And I mean, you just know that that stuff just drives me crazy because I mean, yeah, he's lost in the head and his marbles are nuts, but he knew exactly what he was doing. You tell him, Dean. What do you think, bud? Yeah. Is that the way you heard it? So we wrapping this up? Do we know the rest of the story now? So on that note, yeah, he's Dean wants it wrapped up. <laughs> Go outside, buddy. Yeah. Okay. So on that note, that's well, Ed Gein. Do you Ed, have anything else to offer on it? I do not. Uh, that that is Ed Gein. This is why we do podcasts in the morning or evening. Well. Because I know, I know, I slept in. Mm-hmm. I require sleep, I guess. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the change from second shift to days is going to kill me for the A next bit. couple yeah. days. But, so, yeah, do you have anything else with Ed Gein? I do not. No? No. So what do we got coming up the street? We have the Suicide Forest in japan yes and just to be clear there have been some requests Mm -hmm. in the facebook group and they are on the list and we're probably going to bump up when we were going to do those episodes yeah we'll bump them up yeah we'll bump we'll bump them up uh we'll put them in the we'll get them in the in the future groupings but yeah the japanese or the suicide force in Japan. Yep. That's next. It actually has a name, Aokigahara. Yeah, we're going to pronounce that better on the day of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we will. Yeah, we'll be But we'll be dialed know. in for that. But That's that's what we've got coming up. And again, a thank you to all of our listeners. If I know we've got listeners from all over, if there's a story or there's some sort of lore or, you know, you've got something that you think would be a perfect topic, just reach out to us either. Yeah, through the website, com. You'll see our email address yep, on there. The email uh, address. Um, the Facebook, the Facebook group, group you can group connect works. to. The Instagram account you can connect to. Yes. We are at some point going to get all of our stuff on YouTube. We'll let you know when, but I got to, I got to reformat our existing episodes. And And just so you know, our being on YouTube does not mean there will be video. 
No, no. We're basically this whole first season for this year is going to be this format. Correct. This is also an opportunity that I want to take up on this episode where we've been thinking of how we're going to do ads, but we made the decision to basically wait until the year's end. Yes. At the end of the first season. So the first season all the way to the end of December is going to be this format right here. Yep. We might consider guests, but we're not going to be a guest show. Correct. At the be- at the most, we'll be looking at, you know, maybe a handful of guests a year. Yeah. Maybe one every few months. Yep. And, and we're trying to figure out how that's going to work as well. Correct. We're looking again from the monetization aspect of the podcast. That's again, next season. Yeah. It depends on how this all forms up. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. The more people that get into this will basically communicate with our audience through either a newsletter that we put out yes, or through the Facebook group and see which direction, whether it be videos. Mm-hmm. And we have other developments at this time that we're looking into that we'll reveal later in time as well yep. as far as the direction. But we can honestly say... That we're not going anywhere. No. Even if this is the same thing we do the following year. But at the end of the year, we're going to do a a good assessment. Right. Of what we have and what we want to do. And and where we want to go. Yeah. And so we're thinking as far as monetization, whether we want to do ads, Patreon, or both. Mm-hmm. The Patreon bit is a lot of extra content and time. And we do have extra content that we've considered. Yes. The second part's going to be the time mm-hmm. and if the demand's there. So right. the best we can ask or the most we can ask of all you is, you know, thank you first and foremost for st- staying with us and listening. Yep. And as always, if you can tell anyone about us. Yes. Please do, because it really is a word of mouth campaign at this it point. It is. We um, have done zero Facebook advertising. Correct. We've done zero Instagram advertising. Correct. We are not on Twitter. No. And we're never going to be on Twitter. No, we're not. I just don't like the platform. I don't like the environment, and that's not really our speed. No. So we're just not going no. to participate in that. No. Facebook is the limit. <laughs> yeah. And even with YouTube, uh, when I put the videos on, I'm going to turn comments off. Yes. If you want to get involved with us, we want it all to be through the Facebook group or our email address. And that's where I'm also leading the newsletter and uh, Patreon group. We do have a group out there. Yes. And we're trying to figure out what to do with the Patreon page. And right. And, and, so on and so forth. So basically just bring it up to let you know that we are thinking about this stuff. We are. Uh, if you're interested in Patreon let and us you're know. interested, let us know either through uh, email at OTH at seriously mm-hmm. or the Facebook group. Yep. At some point in the end of the year, we're definitely going, you know, it depends on the growth as well. We are going to send out a survey, a series of surveys. Yeah. Um, out to the audience as far as Facebook goes and also uh, yeah. probably do something through uh, what is it? Monkey uh, survey monkey survey monkey. Uh, that's where we'll be looking to do a, a newsletter through the actual website itself. 
And that's basically what the newsletter would pertain to is that we could do surveys and contact you directly. And you do have the input to steer the show where you'd like to go, because ultimately it's your show. We're, we're doing doing this for, for we're doing this for us, but we're also doing it for you since you're hopping along. We'd like to pull you along with us. Yeah. And, uh, and, and your opinion does matter. We'd like to pull you along willingly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Or not. (laughs) (laughs) So those are developments that'll be coming in the, in, in the future episodes, but this right here is the format. Yep. I don't see us doing ads yet. No. Um, we're we're gonna just do uh, the long haul, so to speak. I see a lot of other podcasts, and they can do whatever they want. Um, but I see them all just trying to get monetization, monetization. And fortunately, we're in a position where we can afford to uh, carry the expenses at least through the year, yeah, comfortably. And um, but ultimately, we have different ideas for the show. We do that would require a larger investment of money. Correct. And that's where the monetization or Patreon would come into play. Correct. And some of these things on a very low level is we would look to take it outside of the house. Right. And go into some of these uh, places locally around here. Yep. That have the haunted locations. Haunted locations, yep. inve- uh, events and sightings. Mm-hmm. And document that either in video or audio or a combination of or both. both yeah. and, and format some sort of a show in that way. which. Mm-hmm. Would require investigation equipment. Yes. More people. Right. So on and so forth. Etc. Etc. Yes. Yes. And we have a lot of volunteers. We do. We've talked about this with some of our inner circle, and there's a lot of volunteers that are interested in this. If you guys would be interested in us to kind of take that direction, let us know. Mm -hmm. If you are just digging these broad topics. Yes. Or a deep dive on a topic, historical incidents, places, people. Yes. Let us know. And and next year, we would like to be in a position to go to video. We would love to do that. Yes. And ultimately, what it would be is if you had a video of something, you could bring it. You could sub- submit right, it to us it. and we'll put it on the show. Yes. And we're looking to do a full-fledged show. But at this point, it's just too early to even think about Yes. A, where we're going to be. We're just babies yeah. right now. Yeah. Yep. Cutting our teeth. Yeah. We're not even remotely ready to walk yet. No. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day, creative director Dean uh, Winchester is going to have to be on board. And well, yeah. He'll have to direct us. Yeah. And I'm getting a look now. He's giving yeah. me the wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. He is. So, folks, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, glad to have you. And we hope you have a great week and a great weekend. And in the meantime, make good choices. Take care.